such, with all that's going on, all that's happening, all, all that God is doing in our church, I thought it might be good to, to kind of circle back to one of the f- foundational ideas of our church, which is we want to be a church for the city. That's who we want to be. And like I said, I've been kind of in my feelings this week and uh, just kind of thinking back to all that God has been doing. And then really, I'm so sure of what God is going to do as we press into the future together. And so, and so as, as I was thinking back, one of the as we were preparing to plant a church, my wife and I, Courtney and I, we went through what's called a church planter assessment. Okay, so our sending organization basically interviewed us for three days, and they asked us everything under the sun, which, you know, so they're trying to assess, should you really do this? Because, like, let more than half of church plants, like, don't make it. For some reason, we're still here, okay? We might just make it, I think, you guys. And so they're really trying to figure out, like, should you really do this or should you not, right? And so as we were going through that, they asked me, not just once, but kind of over and over, who is your target demographic? Okay. And I could tell that I wasn't saying the right thing back. <laughs> I could tell that I wasn't giving the right answer. Who is Redemption City's target demographic? And my answer then and our answer now was everybody. Like we don't have a target demographic. And I know that's naive. I know it's a little far-fetched for rich people and poor people to go to a city group together for you know, Republicans and Democrats and independents to all be in one church and close with each other. I know it seems unlikely for those things to happen. I know the racial tensions in this country. I understand all that. But impossible happens to be our God's specialty. Imagine a church that took the lowly position of service in our city that we reached out to and welcomed people that don't have much. And at the same time, imagine a church who reached people that have means and that are you know, up and coming and welcome them in just the same. Imagine a church where it's the epicenter of new life, not because the, the preaching and the music are making all these headlines, but because people are serving their neighbors and co-workers just like Jesus served the people around him. Imagine a church that cares for refugees. Imagine a church that builds a pregnancy center for unborn babies and cares for their moms so deeply and holistically that they even build housing for those new moms and take care of them. Imagine a church where love is at the center and worldly dividing lines are checked at the doors. Imagine a church that so lived out Jesus' way that the city on the outside couldn't help but want in on the action. Uh, That's who we want to be. A church for Fort Worth, a church so sure of what Jesus accomplished on the cross and by his resurrection that we can't help but tell our neighbors about it. We can't help but start ministries to reach people around us. Uh, A family ready to be sent out as ambassadors on behalf of our good king. That's who we want to be. And so I think y'all heard that the Rangers won the World Series pretty recently. And I know today's about the Cowboys. Today's the Cowboys. Today we're going to pray for them in just a minute here, okay? We've got to have the W tonight. But World Series champs, we can talk about it one more time this year, okay? So I read an article recently that said that Bruce Bochy, you know, he's the manager of the Rangers. He's the, you know, the coach of the Rangers. Uh, I, the first, year, first year, second year this year, he's a new coach to the Rangers. So I read in the article that he brought a radical calmness to the whole organization. And so they interviewed, the the person who wrote the article interviewed all these people within the Rangers organization, and they virtually all of them said, we had the talent, we had the pitching, we had, you know, we brought in hitters, all those kinds of things. But what Bruce Bochy did was bring radical calmness. He brought peace to chaos. And I think that's our role in Fort Worth. I think that You know, what the Rangers coach has done for that organization, that's kind of our role in our city. We bring this kind of radical calmness in a world of chaos and division, all these kinds of things. We are, Jesus said, peacemakers. We make peace. 
us bringing, bringing and really being peace happens best by finding somebody to serve. And that ends up being a pretty easy search around here. And so, you know, we've pretty much washed everybody's car in Southwest Fort Worth. I don't know if you know that we do this, but like we have $1 car washes kind of all the time. And so we're not going to do it for a couple of months because it's kind of cold. But in the spring, get ready, we'll do it again. So what we do is we'll, you know, we'll go to Pinnacle Bank or here at the Y and we'll have these signs that say $1 car wash. And people will turn in. And typically when you see that kind of thing, you think it's like, cheerleaders trying to make money to go to nationals or something. So they turn in thinking they're going to give us a donation. And so we, you know, we welcome them in. We give them Dr. Pepper while they wait. We do a great job washing their car. And then they roll down their window. They try to hand us a $20 bill or something. And we go, no, no. And we hand them a $1 bill and an invitation to our church. And every time they have the same reaction, they're like, no, no, no. And they try to insist to give us. They're like, no, 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 let us. You know, no, no. And we're like, no, no, no. We want to serve you. No strings attached. We just want to say, you know, if, we ever, if you ever need anything, we're here to serve you. The website's there, that kind of thing. And every time they have the same reaction, they're just like shocked. They can't believe that people would take the time to like prepare the materials, go out, wash their car, and have no strings attached to any of it. There's something that's kind of naturally attractive about people who are generous, who serve, and who give. And so please turn to Jeremiah 29, um, one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. There is no shame if you got to look in the table of contents today. I know that the Old Testament can get tricky. Okay, so Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 7, as you turn there, actually contains the reason, you know, the, the verbiage and the, the, the wording of why we put city in our church's name. In verse 7, you're going to see that, we're, that uh, God told Jeremiah to tell God's people to seek the renewal of the city, to seek the welfare of the city. And so, you know, that's what we are here to do, or really be Redemption City Church. We are to seek the welfare of the city. And so we believe that Fort Worth will change for the better because God sent us here. We really believe that. And so that our schools will be better, our city will be a better place to live, that our neighborhoods will be safer, all because a people called Redemption City are here uh, seeking the welfare of the city. Uh, Tim and Joni Burks are in the first service. They believe that so strongly that they started a school. They're like retired teachers who, you know, instead of putting their toes in some sand the next couple of decades, they, they go, you know, there's a lot of kids around here with, with learning challenges and special needs that are having a really tough time finding a great, educa- a great school, the perfect school. So they started Agape School, where they're giving kids a great education, seeking the renewal of the city by caring for kids and giving a great education. And so, oh, by the way, uh, y'all just paid for uh, that school to go to NASA on a field trip next year. Okay, so great job on that. Okay. And so in Jeremiah 29, we see God's people, the nation of Israel, okay, they're kind of stuck in Babylon. (laughs) They don't want to be there. Babylon's a tough place to live, an evil place. Babylon and Israel were kind of natural enemies. And so, but, you know, God's people were exiled there. So God gives his prophet Jeremiah a word. And then Jeremiah tells uh, everybody what God had said. Jeremiah 4, excuse me, Jeremiah 29, we'll pick up in verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. He's writing to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. And this is the word of the Lord to the Israelites. Build houses and live in them. Plant gardens and then eat what comes out of your garden. Take wives and have sons and daughters and take wives for your sons and give give your daughters in marriage that uh, that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and don't decrease but seek the welfare of the city of Babylon, where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on Babylon's behalf. For in its welfare, you're actually going to find your welfare. The grass withers, the flower fades, 
but the word of our God will stand forever. Ain't that wild? So God drops them in Babylon. Okay, God dropped you in North Korea and said, plant a garden. Huh? Not start a war. Start a political revolution. No, have some kids. They're, they're going to have some kids, plant a garden, start a business, and uh, make Babylon better. God has a really funny way of changing the world, doesn't he? Uh, in Jesus' way, we don't conquer with power, but by serving people. Uh, we don't crush our opponents, but we pray for them. We even try to bless them. So notice, God didn't go to his people and say, start a war. And he didn't say, assimilate. Like, just be like the Babylonians, okay? He didn't say conquer or blend in. Instead, he gives a third way to live in the midst of a foreign land. Peter, we just walked through First Peter. Peter calls us exiles. So spiritually speaking, we're called to embody Jesus' way in a foreign land. So your call is not necessarily to a culture war, not necessarily to like scream Merry Christmas when somebody says Happy Holidays. And all God's people said. So he's calling you to plant gardens and start businesses and seek the welfare of Fort Worth and to pray for Fort Worth's flourishing, not to assimilate and not to go to war, but a third way, and that's to be for the city. Again, that's why cities in our church's name, uh, you know, middle names oftentimes get forgotten, right? Like, I really love y'all so much, and I know y'all so well, but I don't know any of y'all's middle names, right? Unless, except for, actually, Edward is Ed's middle name. I know that. Frank Edward Upton. I know these three's middle names because I, you know, named a couple of them, but, of course, I'm married to her, so I know theirs. But besides that, I don't know any of y'all's middle names. And so, uh, middle names can be forgotten, but we're not going to forget our middle name as a church because we are for the city. It's a big deal to us. And you know, cities can be tough. And you know, I grew up in a small town, Laurel, Mississippi, small town, rural area. And in a rural area like that, when you ask somebody who they are, they typically give you, you know, family and geography. Hey, who are you? Oh, I'm, I'm from Jones County. I'm Bob and Angelique's son. That's kind of the, is, is what they give you. But in a city, if you ask people who they are, they give you their occupation. Oh, I work at Lockheed Martin. Oh, I'm a teacher in Joshua or whatever it is. And do you see how drastically different that is? Uh, instead of I'm from Benbrook and my parents are, you know, Sam and Donna, we describe our population when somebody asks who we are. Cities kind of package people, right? They put us in a nice little neat categories and they strip us of the beautiful nuances in our lives oftentimes. And I think that's what we could call an identity crisis. And people around us feel this crisis. They feel this in their lives, even if they don't say it directly. So often we're surrounded by people, but are totally alone. In the gym that I go to, okay, sometimes I'll say that and people's reaction hurts my feelings. So I'm going to say it again. In the gym that I go to, sometimes they have like parties and stuff. So like they were just talking about a Christmas party they were having. And so they were talking about it and the guy next to me goes, are you going to go to that? And I was like, nah, probably not. Are you? And he goes, yeah, it's nice to have... Friday night plans and not spend another night alone. Successful guy. I know the guy. And he spends so much time. So he feels he's swarmed by people all day, every day. The grocery stores are full. His, full, his office is full of people. Everywhere you go, it's packed. But he feels alone, right? And so goes the narrative with modern people. Thousands of online friends, but nobody really knows us. We're surrounded by acquaintances and nameless faces, but few people know us intimately. Enter the church. <laughs> Enter God's people where we're that for each other. And what God's church offers, everybody's looking for. They just don't even know it. And Fort Worth is the most moved to place in America. 
You know, we, we literally are surrounded by people who, knew, who need a friend, uh, who desire connection. In a New York Times article, the author wrote that people have become, quote, virtually anonymous, adding that in this generation, in the generation in which you live, the human population became majority urban for the first time, defined ever less by the tight weave of village society and ever more by the city's anonymity. That is a ground-shifting change in humanity. I'm not overstating it. Fort Worth needs our message of hope. The the people you're around every day, they need Jesus. They need the church. Some of them hide it really well, but it's true. I had a physical this week, you know, once a yearly physical, once a year physical kind of thing. And before they took my blood and did all that kind of thing, they had this long questionnaire. And the first three questions, again, physical for my physical health, the first three questions they asked me were something like, do you have a support system? Before they asked, like, do you ever exercise or ever mix in a salad, anything like that? They go, hey, do you have people that care about you? Even for our physical health, having this really, really, really matters. Uh, you know, a church from the past that I would love for us to be like, is, it, was called, it is called Metropolitan Tabernacle in London. Okay, Charles Spurgeon was their pastor. He became their pastor in 1853. And so a little bit of background, if, you, if you've forgotten this in eighth grade history. Okay, so there was the Industrial Revolution in the 1800s. Kind of a big deal. And when that happened, so it was a great thing in a lot of ways, right? So, and people just kind of fled to the cities, and they, they left their farms and their towns and fled to the cities. And again, so in, especially so where Metropolitan Tabernacle was, downtown London, it, there was this boom in population, economic boom. And again, so that quick, explosive growth for London was good in a lot of ways. But, you know, so there were more jobs and economic boom, all those things, but it also meant a spike in under-resourced women and children and orphans and widows all over London. And so the city, while, you know, while in an economic boom, all these great things happening on the surface, there is this real crisis, even in the midst of all those things happening, and the city leaders didn't know what to do. What do we do with all these huge problems? And sadly, a lot of churches moved out of the city. They moved to the outskirts of town where it was cleaner and a little bit safer, but Metropolitan Tabernacle decided to stay and see this thing through as an opportunity for God's glory. Instead of fleeing the hard stuff, they pressed in toward it to be a church for the city, for the renewal of the city. So Spurgeon's, this one church, they looked at the needs of the city and they just moved toward it. It's not rocket science, right? So they created homeless shelters for people who lost their jobs and needed help getting back on their feet. They built a ton of houses for the elderly, and then church members would take care of them. Uh, they, the church created an orphanage, and they fed and educated and cared for thousands of orphans. They created homes for single moms who had lost their husbands and helped them find, found, find employment. Uh, they started a training program for rural pastors. They started a program for businessmen, businesswomen, to use their entrepreneurial skills to expand God's kingdom. So, and this one church reached every kind of person by simply seeing the needs around them and moving toward them, creating loving solutions. They didn't see the city's needs and move away from them, but toward them. One historian, secular historian writing about uh, you know, the, the Industrial Revolution in London said that if any point during the Industrial Revolution, if Metropolitan Tabernacle would have folded, the city of London would have collapsed. And that if, the, that if Metropolitan Tabernacle would have left, that the city of London would have grieved in her absence. May that be said of us. Uh, can you imagine serving the needs of Fort Worth, being so in tune with the needs and so attentive to creating loving solutions that Fort Worth would grieve if we picked up and left? Uh, you know, they grieved to such an extent 
that Spurgeon actually asked the church members to not come to church once a month so they could have room for the unchurched people to come to church. So that kind of love is, is contagious, right? People wanted to come and see what God was doing. And here we are in the fastest growing city in America. Okay, Fort Worth has grown by 26% in the past uh, 10 years. So, you know, from 2015 to 2040, Fort Worth will double. We're in the middle of a city doubling, and it's still increasing. You're part of a population boom, and it's expanding all the time. The Fort Worth Star-Telegram just uh, put out an article saying that our section of the Metroplex will, quote, fuel Metroplex growth for the next 20 years. And you can almost see, so the the property that we're moving to really tomorrow, you can almost see it from here, okay, in in that picture. And around that property, uh, they're building houses and schools and restaurants and all these things as fast as they can and understand with great growth comes great problems. Will we rise to the occasion? Will we be the church that God is calling us to be together? Will we, see, will we lay our lives down, see the problems of our city, and help our neighbor? So that's my challenge to you. Harness your God-given skills, abilities, surroundings to bless people around you. Again, not asking you to learn rocket science today, but I think of Matt Wilkin, who was in the first service, He's a, he's a realtor. He sells houses in a big neighborhood over here. And he started thinking, well, what can I do to bless my neighbor? And there's all these, he has all these clients buying homes, moving from California, other places. And he goes, you know, they need connection to the church. So he started, we started making gift bags, like really nice Redemption City gift bags, hand, handwritten note, nice candle and everything inside. And so when they walk into their house, the first thing they see is this nice note from Redemption City. We want you to come to our church. We probably had eight or ten families come to church just from that one simple act of kindness. I think of Jordan Thibodeux down here. Um, she had a, <laughs> JT, she had an interaction with a, a lady uh, a while back now who didn't speak much English and moved here from a, a Spanish-speaking country. And JT started thinking, like, that's got to be kind of lonely. That's got to be I bet, even kind of frightening sometimes if you can't read the road signs and you don't know what, like, but, but then where do you turn for help, right? And so starting in, in February, she's going to start ESL at our church, English as a Second Language, and we're going to help people learn English. And we're going to give them the skills so that they can have success in this country of opportunity. Praise God. And so if you want to help with that, she needs teachers and hosts and et cetera, et cetera. So you don't just have to teach, although you're welcome to do that. But any part you want to play in that, JT, would you just kind of, would you stand and twirl? Actually, just raise your, yeah, that's JT. Go see her. I think of, so when, I, when we think of being for the city, I think of my wife who embodies Jesus's way of being just welcoming. And so she welcomes my kids' friends. They know that we want them there. They know it. And so there's this one little girl in our small group, unchurched family, um, and, but her parents let her come to our small group on Wednesday nights. And most of the time, so the kids in our group, they just go play outside. We try to make sure they don't kill each other and they just run around, okay? And so one night, this little girl, uh, while the ladies were praying for each other, um, came in to get something to drink and kind of noticed, like, what are they doing? What, why are you closing your eyes? What are you doing? Just kind of watched. At the end of it, she told Courtney, hey, when, when y'all do that next week, bring me inside. So Courtney goes, great. So the next week she came in and just kind of watched the ladies pray for each other. And then the next week she came in and she had a prayer request. She goes, and, so, and she kind of said something and they all prayed for her. And after they prayed, she turned to Courtney and she goes, when I hear you pray, I feel so warm inside. And uh, <laughs> I'm with her, excuse me. So the next week again, it's time to pray. Courtney calls her in and she goes, you know, could y'all pray that I could know Jesus? And Courtney goes, yeah, would love to. 
And then after the prayer, Courtney pulled her aside. She goes, actually, you can pray for that. So we, yeah, you've heard us pray for that, but you can pray for that. You can ask Jesus right now to come into your heart and to save you. And she did. All because we go, yeah, let the little children come. Yeah, come on in. You're welcome here, right? Um, so many things come to mind. You know, you guys are living this out. And there's so many other ways that we can. I think, so you, if you would pull up that picture of Chaz, um, you probably heard about Chaz and I. Uh, we just coached the Benbrook Ballers to an undefeated season. You probably heard about that, five and six-year-olds. Most games, they didn't score a goal on us. No big deal. And so we're taking, you know, we're doing like the, the team picture. And one of the kids, you know, being goofy, like accidentally kicked his ball way in this, I don't know if you call it a gully or whatever it is. And so Chaz, instead of going, oh, they're there, Pat you on the head. See you next season. And by this point, they know that he's a minister. I'm, I'm a pastor at a church. We've invited him about six times at this point. And so the, the ball goes in there. All the kids are like, oh, no. And so Chaz gets on his belly and starts crawling in. I should have taken another picture because there's a point where I'm holding his ankle. I'm afraid we're going to lose him. He's all the way in there. He's got a stick, and he finally pokes it out. And a hundred people, I'm not kidding. They're like, "Woo! we did it. That's how you change a city. That's how you invade people's lives with the love of Jesus as you step toward it. There's a problem. I can meet it. There's a problem. Let's think of a solution together. I love you. I'm for you. How can I help? That's what we're talking about. You know, our city needs us to be the church that God is calling us to be. He sent us here. You know, I've talked a lot about Luke 15 this year, I feel like, uh, where, you know, the story of where Jesus says, there's a hundred sheep and one goes missing and the, sh the shepherd goes looking for it. And you know, we know that Jesus is our good shepherd. He treats us this way. And the reason I keep thinking about that story, imagine the, the, the shepherd, how do you even know a sheep's missing? They, sheep kind of look alike, okay? Sheep roam, so how do you even know? It's because the shepherd was paying attention. And our good God, our good shepherd counts in ones. So every one person you're in coffee line this week, God cares about that person. Every one person that you're in class with or in the office with this week, God cares about that person. Every neighbor, think of your neighbor to your left, to your right. God cares about that person so much that he came as a baby, lived a perfect life, died on the cross for our sin, and then rose again to give us life. We have the best message in the world, so take the risk. Take the initiative, bless the city in Jesus' name. So the way that I want to close today, Adrian, if you'll come on up, I want us to pray for the city. We saw in Jeremiah 29 that God, he didn't just, you know, yes, he said, get after it and, and serve people, you know, plant a garden, but also pray for Babylon. So we want to pray for Fort Worth right now. So what I want, to, what I want you to do is get in groups of about three and pray for Fort Worth. And so you can move your chairs, whatever, we're about to tear down anyway. So get in groups of about three and pray that we would be the church that God is calling us to be. Pray that we would reach out and bless and that as we do so, that people would be receptive. We can't do this without God. We don't want to do this without God. That people would, that God would soften people's hearts as we serve them and share with them. So let me pray for you, and then y'all can break out and pray for the city. God, thank you that you would use people like us. Help us be disciples who make disciples. Give us passion. Give us love for people that you created and who you love. So God bless us now as we pray in Jesus' name, amen.